Hi, and welcome back to the Yoast SEO podcast. Today, I'm joined by a friend of the Yoast family. Um, he's actually been to our offices, which is not something a whole lot of people can say because we're in a very weird part of the Netherlands. Today with me is Jason Bernard, who you probably might have known if you have gone to any SEO conference in the last few years, because it looked like you were everywhere, and then suddenly travel stopped. Yeah, well, I, I went um, digital, full digital nomad with the idea of just going from conference to conference. Um, and it was really good fun. It was kind of, I mean, as you said, I, I just kept pitching up. And even when I didn't get invited to speak, I would just pitch up anyway um, and record the podcast, um, which was the reason in inverted commas for traveling around the world. It was uh, uh, an excuse rather than a reason, let's say. But it, well, any excuse is a good excuse to travel the world if yeah. you can allow if you can allow yourself to. Yeah, yeah my daughter pointed out uh, the other day I was lucky that I got a year and a bit in before the, the lockdown and that I should count myself lucky that I got that. And she's right. I got a, a good year's traveling. I went around the world a couple of times, in fact, in the end, uh, which was absolutely awesome. Came to YoastCon, um, came back to Yoast again a, a second time, Yoast HQ a second time. Um, and what I love about it, you say it's a tiny little town, it's a lovely little town. And what it, it reminded me of when I was a rock musician, we actually toured uh, Holland quite a lot. We had a tour, uh, a guy who organized the tours called Bert Belchma. And uh, he organized us loads of gigs in these tiny, tiny bars in these tiny, tiny towns. And it was really, really lovely. Yeah. And when I say tiny town, it's also a bit of so the Netherlands is in reality mostly one big town yeah. um, I mean there's 17 million people on basically wow. um, um, a stamp um, but yeah no it's um, our, our town has like 40,000 people so it's not nothing but it is relatively small isn't it a stamp of which like a third has been uh, pulled back out of the sea that's actually a French saying, which is also uh, always so funny because French people will always mention this to you. Oh shit! Sorry, I'm and, French. And no, <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's funny. It's I I I my French isn't good enough to do this in French, but um, I, I hear the saying as God created the world and the Dutch created Holland, <laughs> uh, and um, well, it's it's true. I mean, a lot a large part of our country is underneath the sea level which is very weird to many people around the world if they yeah. travel around here well it, it's uh, unique isn't it i mean I, I can't think of another country where you've got large swathes of it under sea level i mean it, i never yeah, felt so, uncomfortable but it seems weird no yeah but if you land on skipple the entire area that you're that you're looking around at is like two or three meters below sea level oh, so okay. it, it, so yeah it's large parts of the country are yeah it is um Weird in that regard is one of the one of the major wonders of technology, I think, in many ways. Um, but you've been you've been doing a lot of speaking at those conferences, and the, the thing you speak about almost all the time, it seems, is about brand SERPs and um, schema and everything to do with that. You're well. The reason you're on the show is because you're one of the few people that. I see in these times that it's still experimenting a lot and playing a lot with how stuff works and are, and are trying to well, to break Google. Um, trying to break Google? Uh, well, yeah, in, in a good way. Yeah. Like, ga game it. 
it, I, it, it is... SEO is a game for for those who hundred percent have been doing it for a long time, even though it's a game that has very real impact for a lot of people. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, I, I agree with you hundred percent. For me, it's a game. I mean, saying break, we're breaking our toy, as it were. We're seeing how far we can push the toy. I mean, I don't know how much Google appreciate it or not, um, but from my point of view, it's it's playing with something as well that I don't think people have been playing with before, i.e. brand SERPs and knowledge panels. And when I was at YoastCon a year and a bit ago, um, I was actually talking about knowledge graphs. And that was the kind of the, I've been working on brand SERPs, but nobody wanted to hear about it, but people wanted to hear about the knowledge graph. So I started talking about the knowledge graph, moved that onto knowledge panels, which people can see. And then started saying, well, actually think about where that knowledge panel for your brand is appearing. And it's on your brand SERP. Now let's start looking at brand SERP. And now um, the last year or so, people have have kind of started listening to me. I mean, it's not saying they weren't listening at all before, but people have become interested in it and started, I think, agreeing with me that it's incredibly important and incredibly insightful and and a lot of fun. I mean, it seems really boring and simple, but it's actually fun and complicated. Uh, Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, one of the... uh, um I, we did some things well at Yoast, uh, and that's how we became who we are. And I think one of the things that we did do well is our own branding. So I've always taken our own brand SERP um, as something that I consider important. But at the same time, you know more about how to play with my knowledge panel than than we do. So that's what we're here to talk about. Right. <laughs> no, no, sorry. I, I didn't mean to say nobody took brand SERPs no. seriously for themselves. I, I think... Kind of no, no, I, I, I understand that. The, yeah. the thing is that I, I, I think branding is often a very underestimated part of, of, of marketing in general, I think. It, it is, it's one of the things that only the really big companies seem to invest in largely. That's but a, the question is whether it's only the really big companies doing it or only the, be, the companies that become really big invest in branding. <laughs> Which came first, the chicken or the egg? And, 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 and I think that that is something that people don't think about enough, that how important branding is, how important it is that you, what you look like on, well, everywhere. And the brand SERP is one of them. Well, I mean, I was talking to Cindy Crum yesterday, and she's talking about kind of how much of the SERP you actually control and where your brand is actually present on the SERP. And one nice thing about the brand SERP is it's a snap view uh, that's, re- that's all you. So it's this kind of snap view of entirety of your brand or the, the whole thing is about your brand. And I had the experience when you took me out the branding. I mean, your, your visuals and your color, colors are incredibly strong and they're really uh, striking and they, they stand out wherever you see them. You know it's Yoast. And I looked at my brand set when, from, for CaliCube when the images appeared and it was rubbish. It was, I'd just been creating images here and there and I hadn't really thought about it. And I sat down uh, and my ex-wife, who's a graphic designer, chose the colors, did the designs, and now it looks really good. And I think kind of when you see our color set and our uh, visuals, it's similar to Yoast in the sense you know that it's us. Not similar to Yoast in the fact that you don't see it half as much. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, but um, if you're a company um, of any size, what can you do to in- to influence that uh, knowledge panel? What's the simple stuff people can start doing straight away? Well, the re- I mean, for the knowledge panel in particular, that thing on the right, in the right rail, what, uh, I mean, I was talking to Nathan Chalmers from Bing about the whole page algorithm um, and how that runs. He calls it the right rail. I think that's a great way of calling it, um, mm-hmm. it is... 
and I, I'm now saying this to everybody and anybody who will listen, give your entity a home. Your brand is an entity and Google will take your site to be its home by default, but it needs reassuring. It needs to make sure that home is comfortable. It needs to make sure that that home is realistic and, and honest. And that's really important is that your brand is honest about your brand on your website over time. And Google will become increasingly confident. Now, when I say give it a home, I don't mean your website. I mean a web page, one single page on your website, your, your about us page. Say that about us page is gonna explain who we are, what we do, who our audience is and why we're the best. And then we will, we will start from there and then we will corroborate and convince Google that we're telling the truth. Um, and so, so the starting point, and we'll, we'll move on to, to, to other points later, but the starting point is think of where the home is, create a clear, concise, accurate, honest uh, view, uh, expression, uh, explanation of who you are, what you do, who your audience is. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that in itself is hard for a lot of people, I guess. Phenomenally uh, difficult. I mean, I read about us pages all the time and they're, they're rubbish. We do this. Our mission statement is that we love butterflies and, and bees and flowers and nobody cares. Not I mean, your clients don't care that you like butterflies and bees and flowers and Google gets confused. So it really isn't helpful. You know, we are a company who sell this, that and the other. And the other thing, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's actually related but not related at the same time, is companies speak from their own point of view more often than not. Um, and I, I challenge clients to say, okay, you've got 20 we or us in this page. Let's try and reduce that to five and try and get some yous. So we're talking to the audience and from the point of view of the audience. And, and they say, but it's about us. How can we do that? And in fact, you can uh, reduce the number of we's on your entity's home. Yeah. And then um, does that also mean thinking about what your customers and clients call you? Because it, that relates to basic keyword research, right? It's like, it's almost the start of who are we in the eyes of our customers? Yeah, incredible. But being empathetic to who your customers are, what they're looking for, and, and how they perceive you. Um, uh, I think, once again, we're all the star of our own films as individuals. Uh, and also brands tend to be the star of their own films. And, and maybe uh, as a brand, you should start looking at it and saying, right, well, I'm the star of my own film, but I've got to understand what the audience uh, perceives of me uh, and start to adapt to what they want rather than just doing whatever I feel like, which a lot of companies do too. I mean, blogs are a great example of people posting blog posts one after the other, just what they feel like talking about, uh, which is one of the reasons so few blog posts actually get much traffic or any traffic for that matter. Rather yeah, and, sorry, and this has changed a lot over time as well. I, I remember starting to blog like 15 years ago where we would also link a lot more to each other. And now all, most of the linking seems to happen on Twitter where we throw our arguments at each other or, or uh, sometimes in the form of blog posts, but often in discussions there. And it's not just the whole blog thing seems to not be as lively as it used to be in the past where there was a lot more interlinking um and with that it has lost a bit of its value it's, it's a, a whole lot of it is has become just adding more content i mean i mean you've been in this this world 
almost as long as I have. I mean, I started with the Blue Dog in 1998. And I remember back then it was, you link out and people link back because we're sharing and we're building a community. And the idea of linking was this kind of, I want to point people to other great stuff. And it was all terribly friendly and terribly hippie. Then Google came along and started measuring all that stuff. And then people started get, started getting stingy, scroogey with their links. And they'd say, well, I'm not gonna link to you because I'll lose some of my super juice. Um, and, and it all kind of contracted very, very, uh, very uh, extensively to the point to which hardly anybody would link out to anybody else. Um, and it was just stinginess. And now, isn't it coming back? I, oh, I don't know. Is it? We're trying to still tell everyone to link out at least once in their articles. Yeah. Um. Well, I, mean, I, I tell people to link out. I link out. I'm, I'm happy to link out because I think that's, I mean, one thing I try to point out to, to my clients at least is, I mean, think about the bot. What, what it hates is a cul-de-sac. So it goes, I mean, it's, its whole point in life is to just keep going through links. So if you give it a cul-de-sac, I mean, I, I've got this image of Googlebot sulking, sitting in this cul-de-sac sulking because it's got to turn around and go back again. Um, <laughs> and the, the other thing, interestingly, is linking out to, I mean, if, you, if you're linking to a mention of your own brand, that's incredibly important because Google's seen it from the other side. It's come to your site and you link out to it, you're confirming to Google that, that mention is actually about you. So although it's already probably understood it, if your name isn't too ambiguous, you're explicitly pointing out that it is about you and you're making it more confident. I think people forget that there is a question of understanding and then there's a question of confidence in that understanding. And part of the knowledge panel, if we come back to that, is building that confidence that Google has. And, and look at it as educating a child. You're explaining something to a child. The child hears and understands. Then you need to get it corroborated and build its confidence that it has correctly understood and that you're telling the truth. So is that also the trick in getting the knowledge panel to even show up for your brand? Because a whole lot of people will be listening to this and, and think, like, if you Google my local shop, whatever it might be, um, I don't even get a knowledge panel. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think one, one thing people get mixed up with is Wikipedia and knowledge panels. Wikipedia, you, you need to be notable. It's a human encyclopedia that's useful for humans. And the idea is that human beings go and look things up because they're actually interested in that thing um, off their own back. Um, spontaneously is the word. Um, whereas Google doesn't care about notability. It just wants to understand everything it can. Um, so there isn't the concept of notability. So if you don't have a brand uh, uh, knowledge panel on your brand SERP, it isn't because Google doesn't think you're notable enough. It's because Google hasn't understood or isn't confident it's understood or it doesn't feel that it's probable that the person is actually looking for you. So the, the, there are those three kind of aspects is understanding, confidence in the understanding, and then the probability that the person is actually looking for that specific brand entity. Um, Don Anderson talks a lot about that. And I think it's incredibly important to remember that if your name is ambiguous or your brand name is ambiguous, there's a big factor of probability. And if we use personal names, I mean, you don't share a personal name with anybody as far as I know. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I actually do. Which oh. is uh, So I have a, I used to have a similar problem as to your problem way back in the past, but I'll tell mine if you tell yours. You can start <laughs> with yours. It's like being back at school. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, my problem, in fact, was my knowledge panel. I spent a long time building it up and making, making it, in, in inverted commas, solid. Um, there, in fact, there are a couple of stories, one of which is Wikipedia. I mean, I had a Wikipedia article um, 
because I was in a rock band in France that was reasonably famous. And then I'd made a cartoon for kids. Uh, I was a blue dog and it was produced by ITV International, aired in 25 countries. Uh, we had a, a website with 5 million visits a month from kids under the age of 10. It was phenomenally successful. And I've made, I've written 120 songs and released six albums. Um, so notable, yes, fine, but I went in and I kept changing things because I was experimenting on, as you said, breaking the toy Google. Um, and the, the, the editors came in and said, you know, you can't, you can't change your own web Wikipedia page that much. Uh, and so they deleted it. And that, that was where I, it really hit home to me the importance of the home because my site, jasonbarnard.com, was the home. But I've, I panicked and I moved the home from the home page to an about me page in an attempt to clarify and what then happened is my entity disappeared from the knowledge panel uh, knowledge graph dis the knowledge panel completely disappeared and i had to rebuild it and that was back in july and it's taken me six months to rebuild it and get it back to to to, to full glory it took me it took me two months to get it back to reasonableness and six months to and that, that's the second story uh, to to being actually what i really wanted and what's important there is they also deleted the Blue Dog page and they also deleted my music group page. So I actually had three examples and three different approaches. I took three different approaches. And what was interesting is once you're in the knowledge graph, if you don't mess with the home, the knowledge graph keeps you. If you're clear on your home, the knowledge panel doesn't get mixed up because Google will tend to, tend to believe Wikipedia, so the knowledge panel will tend to echo Wikipedia. Once Wikipedia disappears, if your home is the crutch that Google will then lean on, if your home is unclear, the knowledge panel will get mixed up with ambiguities. If your home is clear and Google's understood and Google is confidence is understood to start with, everything stays in place. So that, that's a lesson, not so much in Wikipedia, but in, once Google has understood and is sure it's understood, it's your home, it's the entity's home that is the single most important aspect of your entire knowledge panel and knowledge graph strategy. Don't ever forget it. And then the second story, and then you can tell your story, is the, the, uh, the namesake, Jason Barnard. There are, there, there's loads of them. There's a guy who, who rides a unicycle in a circus. There's, a, there's a, a guy in prison in America, there's a dentist, there's a clergyman, there's a footballer who's actually quite famous, there's a hockey player who's getting quite famous, it's slightly worrying. Uh, he's, he keeps scoring goals and getting in the news, which is unfortunate for, for my uh, brand set. And then there's a guy who does a, a music podcast. So we've got this kind of duplicate of being podcasters and we have different topics. And so his guests appeared in my knowledge panel. Google was getting them mixed up. So I kept having all these mad musicians in my knowledge panel. And the thing is, because I'm a musician, to Google, you can understand it's gone, but it's logical. He's a musician. It must be the same person. Uh, and it's taken me four months to convince Google that I'm not the same Jason Barnard and to get people like Rand Fishkin and um, Cindy Crumb, Hamlet Batista and Bill Slowski and Andrea Volpini appeared this morning up from WordLift. So I've got, basically now I've got digital marketers there. Google's understood and I've got rid of that ambiguity and it took me four months. So I think you've got to remember with knowledge panels, it takes a long time to remove that ambiguity. Um, so there you go. So I've lots of Jason Barnards around the world and, and that's, the, that's the point as well. If you search in South Africa where the footballer and the unicyclist live, 
or and function and getting the news, they will tend to appear on my, in inverted commas, brand set. So you'll see Jason Barnard, digital marketer, blah, 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 blah. And then towards the bottom, you'll see them. And that's a question of the probability that people in South Africa are looking for those Jason Barnards is much higher than it is obviously in the UK. So it's going to change quite, quite a lot across different countries and for brands as well. For example, Yoast, I mean, I haven't looked at your brand, sir, but in Australia, you would tend to have the, the Sydney Times news article about Yoast, whereas in New York, you would have the New York Times article about Yoast. So you've got to remember that these brand sets actually do vary enormously across the world. And that depends on A, in my case, probability that they're looking for the other Jason Barnards and not me, and B, uh, pertinence and value to the local audience for the example about Yoast and the super article that you got in the Sydney Times and the other one in the New York Times. There yeah. you go. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. No, it's, that was really good, actually. Well, so I have a similar story. Right. And now my um, uh, my namesakes are not as spread out across the world because my last name and my first name are quite typically Dutch. Brilliant. Um, but uh, there's an alderman of the city of Amsterdam who has the same name as I do, um, which has made it quite hard for a while for me to actually rank for my own name because he was in the news all the time all right um and there is an architect as well who carries almost the same name so my last name is de volk and his last name is volk um without the de um but that uh yeah uh, his first name is the same so google would get all of those um mixed up all the time. And um, one of the, fun the, the funny things that I have had trouble with over the years is getting myself as an entity disconnected from Yoast the brand as an entity. Yeah. Um, so now I, when you search for uh, Yoast the company, you'll get a, a, a brand SERP that is actually, well, is the company because we have a Yoast Wikipedia page now. So it uses a lot of that uh, as well, it seems. Um, and I, I do still have my own Wikipedia page, luckily. Um, so it, it does disambiguate between those two now. And the funny thing is that my that it calls me rather persistently a software developer, um, which is something that I need to talk to you about off off the show because I am a software developer, but I'm also an entrepreneur. I think in 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 many ways more an entrepreneur than I am a software developer. Yeah. Um, but uh, it doesn't really seem to want to give me that name right uh, but yeah, yeah. No, no, that, 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 that is that, good fun it, it is it is good fun and it, it it takes time and it it takes belief in the sense that you have to believe that you're doing the right thing because you place all the information it's, it's, it's a question of placing the information in the right places and then using your home to support or to point out signposts yeah, for so cooperation one of the things you're saying is you should point you should make the home your about us page and not your front page yeah, I, I now go for that because the problem with the homepage, I mean, is that it can be ambiguous or it is ambiguous. It represents your company and your website, potentially, and potentially your product. Uh, I mean, Yoast is both a product and a company, uh, which means there's ambiguity there. You actually have a knowledge panel for Yoast, the software, and you have another knowledge panel for Yoast, the company. Um, it, it's it's even worse. We have an uh, we used to have a Wikipedia page for Yoast the company, which was renamed to uh, uh, be a Wikipedia page for Yoast the software, oh, no. uh, which messes it all up. 
Well, I mean, that, that is, that is, I mean, incredibly confusing for you. Google, you can see the difficult messages it's receiving. I mean, it understands now that Yoast BV is a company and Yoast is a software. Um, and I'm assuming it's associating you more with the software knowledge graph entry than with the company knowledge graph, graph entry. Um, but in fact, if you look up Yoast now, everybody who's listening, look up Yoast. Um, you'll see the knowledge panel on the right-hand side in the right rail. Um, and if an interesting way to see if Google has a knowledge panel for you, but isn't showing it on your brand SERP is to click on the, for example, founder Joost de Volk or uh, Marieke van der Recht. Yeah. Uh, you click on them, you will see that behind it, you have these knowledge panels that don't necessarily appear on the exact brand search. And Joost BV down at the bottom there, you can actually see there is a knowledge panel behind it. That's a really good way of discovering what I now call sprouts. It's the beginnings of a knowledge panel. And you're in a situation where Google's understood what the entity is. It isn't confident enough or doesn't have enough information about it to actually want to show it to its users because it isn't useful if it isn't full of information. And if it isn't confident, then it isn't gonna show it because it isn't confident it's actually the correct entity. Um, so, that's a really nice way to see if you're actually moving forwards with, uh, with what you're working on. Uh, finding Sprouts, another way to find Sprouts is to look up on the CaliCube tool. If you go to CaliCube.pro, there's a tool there, the Knowledge Graph Explorer. You can search that online as well and it will come up number one normally. Um, and you enter it in there and it will show you what's in the Knowledge Graph itself. It, it pings the API and then you click on there and you'll see loads of Sprouts that you don't ever see online. And then the idea is you say, I get my Sprout. I add more information, I corroborate that information, I build the home, I build Google's confidence in that home. Little by little, I'll build up this knowledge panel. And at one point, it will the, you'll come to the tipping point and Google will say, that is useful information in which I have great confidence. I will now start showing it on the brand SERP of the person or the brand SERP of the company. Um, at which point, basically, it's then a question of uh, maintaining it. And I think that's something people underestimate is even when you've got your knowledge panel, you need to maintain it. Uh, you can add to it, you can adapt it, you can heavily influence what Google shows. Um, and one, if you're an international brand like Yoast is, you're gonna have things like call center numbers across the world that are gonna be different and it will add those. And recently um, uh, the, there's been a, a blooming of what I now call entity statements which are people also ask, but in the knowledge panel. But they're not questions, it's things like pricing, um, uh, customer service, get a job, things like that. It's all statements. And underneath you have the answers in the people also ask format. And brands need to be looking after those. A, claiming or claiming them, making sure that they're ranking and that somebody else isn't answering that question or that statement. Um, so there's a lot of maintenance to be going on. And that's just one example. Call centers are another. Uh, social accounts across the world for different departments or different countries. That's another example. Um, Google gets mixed up and it's up to us to explain and to educate. And, and all of that explaining and education, is that done in, in text and content or is that done in schema on yeah. pages? It's done in both. Um, you need to explain in text the things that are really important. Um, then you add the schema markup. Schema markup is supposed to simply uh, clarify and make explicit what's already in the page, and you're not really supposed to add additional stuff. The exception, I would argue, is in this case for an entity home. There are some things you would put in the 
um, in the schema markup that you don't necessarily want to put in the page. For example, the signposts to all this corroborative information will typically not be links in the page. They will just be signposts in the schema markup. So schema markup, phenomenally important. And uh, the, the example I gave earlier of, of switching from the other Jason Barnard's mad music guests to actually mad music, that's very unfair, lovely music guests, to the delightful people from the SEO industry, digital marketing industry that I managed to get to switch across is based on my podcast. I've created an entity-based content model with WordLift. Uh, absolutely great, lovely tool, uh, really smart people. And we've built an entity-based content model around the podcast with the podcast series as an entity, each episode is an entity, each guest is linked to that episode with a topic, um, and all obviously linked to me and my company. And that's been, I, I think, or I believe, the driver behind that switch from the music to the digital marketers, because all the people in that knowledge panel have been on the podcast. That is awesome. Yeah, so, so it's actually tying those two a bit more together than you'd actually think from the front. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm, I've actually got a database of, of 70,000 brands and people that are 35,000 people and 40,000 brands, I think. Uh, and I collect the entity boxes and I'm trying to trying to build the code to link it all together and see how all of this links together. But that's a story for a future day. <laughs> well, once you've done that, you should come by and talk yeah. about it. Absolutely. Now, so one of the things I'm wondering, and you might be... Um, so in Yoast SEO, what we do is we add a lot of this schema already. But one of the things we don't allow you to do at the moment is change where we point your organization to. Mm. Um, basically, it always points to your homepage. Um, well, of course, you can change that with a tiny piece of code. It's not hard to change that. But um, would you rather change that? Would that? Should that be a setting? Um, I, I, to be honest with you, I think it's dangerous for a lot of people. I mean, I tell you, use your About Us page. Uh, but, as yeah, well, but for us, that might make sense. But, but our problem of being used to brand and used to product is a relatively unique one, although I guess it happens more often than you'd think. Well, I actually have uh, two clients who have exactly the same problem. The, the, the company and the product have the same name. Um, and so what we're now doing is setting up an About the Product page and About the company page and pointing to each of those and using the homepage simply as a, as a, as a passageway to the rest of the site, which in, in my opinion, I, I seem to remember you saying that at one point years ago, um, I've been following you, which is slightly creepy, um, is, is that the homepage is there. It A, represents multiple things potentially, and oh, certainly, uh, but B, it's also simply a stepping stone to the rest of your site. It isn't a destination in itself. No, it, it, it is one of the one of the most horrible things when I was still doing consulting was um, to have to sit in on meetings where um, 10 hippos all were fighting on who got the, the biggest placement on the homepage when all I was thinking was like, most of the traffic comes in somewhere else. I don't care about the bloody homepage. The only the only moments in time when I care about a homepage is when you're doing a huge brand campaign on on radio or TV, and you're sending that traffic to your homepage. Right. At that point, it becomes important what's on your homepage. But it, then it, it's important what's on your homepage because you want to sell stuff, not because uh, for well because of any other reason. So yeah, a homepage is. 
it, it should be a, a probably the best sitemap of your site in many ways. That's a very good, uh, good point of way of making it. Because people, sorry, if someone comes in to a post and then goes to your homepage to see what else you've got, yeah. that would be logical browsing behavior. Um, then after that, your homepage should be, well, should give them a clear way of where to go. Yeah, I mean, from from my perspective, being obsessed by brand SERPs, I mean, I, that's a brilliant example. And people go to the homepage to see what else is an offer. But also people who are searching your brand name, your homepage is going to be the one that ranks number one. So the people, they're going to be prospects, they're going to be clients. And I think we underestimate the number of clients who actually search our brand name simply to navigate to the site. Uh, and that's what rich site links are there for. The big site links underneath your homepage on your brand SERP are so that your users, your existing clients and your prospects can navigate directly to the login page or to the about us page or to the about the ceo page or the blog homepage, um, and that's vastly underestimated i mean in my in my data i've got 50 percent of brands have got rich site links and 50 percent don't that's rubbish those pages those rich site links have to be interesting and useful and valuable to your audience who are navigating to your site and they don't if you don't have the rich site links, you're forcing them to go through your homepage, which isn't necessarily designed in a lot of cases. It should be designed to help them find what else you've got to offer, find these places on your website, and often isn't. So that's a very good sign that your homepage and your navigation and your siloing or your categorization is badly organized is if you don't have those rich site links. Um, and so just really quickly, one, one last thing is, uh, a lot of companies will uh, no index their contact page or their about us page or the about the CEO page. Don't because they're really useful. Uh, they're useful for the site links. They're not useful for your traditional SEO strategy, but they need to be indexed and they need to be optimized for those rich site links because those rich site links are a big signal to your audience. I mean, it, 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 it's a big chunk of real estate on that brand set. Now, a lot of people see it and your clients see it potentially multiple times per day. So does that um, include things like login pages? Because traditionally, I would have said no index those to prevent security issues with that. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, it might actually make sense to have, in our case, for instance, uh, MyYoast and Yoast Academy, they, they share the same access point. Yeah. Um, it might make sense to have actually that login page in the index so that people can click their story away. Yeah. Well, if, from a UX point of view, when you've looked at brand SERPs as long as I have, <laughs> uh, which is far too much and far too long, um, the login page is actually really important. And then there's the question of security, which I, I fully appreciate. So you need to balance it up. But as a, as a user, as a, as a Yoast client, I search Yoast to navigate to your site potentially multiple times per day. That login uh, rich site link is really useful to me um, because it saves me an extra click and I'm lazy and Google is happy because it's sending it, the person straight to where they want to go and that's a good user experience for the Google user. That's actually a good point. It, it might actually um, change my approach on this slightly. <laughs> I, I know that we've um, historically always on WordPress sites added no index to the login page right. um, uh, because well, it didn't seem like such a good idea to have sites that are not always auto-updated to the latest and greatest version of WordPress um, be exposing their login page to the rest of the world through a simple Google search. Right, yeah. Um, 
but, but it might actually on a well-maintained side it might make sense to remove that, yeah, that I mean, no index that, but that comes back to what we were almost talking about earlier on is that you have this enormous responsibility that I hadn't really understood and Jono and yourself have really talked me through it the responsibility that, that every change you make affects let's say 14% of the web and that's a phenomenal responsibility is that if I say to you right the about us page is your is your is your home for your entity and you change it that's changing it for everybody and you might mess with 14% of the web and 90% of that might go completely out the window because Google isn't ready for it or their site isn't ready for it so what i'm saying and coming back to that about us question mm-hmm. is only do it if you do it properly don't 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 do it yeah so if you so don't. Pl- yeah so if you if you're going to play with it do it well yeah um, Otherwise, yeah. the, the homepage is the safe, the safe option that, that will always work. It's just that you have that ambiguity that, that can be difficult to deal with over time. And it's not ideal, but it's safe. And uh, I think kind of your responsibility is safeness, isn't it? Well, in, in, in a way, yes. Um, to be honest, things like a no-index on a, a login page are things that we actually change in WordPress core. So... Uh, that is, I'm not going to change it there because I think it's, it would be rather unsafe to change it there as that would expose it. Everyone who doesn't update their site would, would be easy to find through a simple Google search. Um, right. But um, it, that doesn't mean that you can't change it on individual sites. So I, I it doesn't mean that we can't not know index our own login page because that's sensible to us. Um, yeah. There's a in 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 SEO. There's a um, a vast difference between sensible defaults for most people, and and changing it for when you really want to tweak. Uh, and I think most people, even most people in our audience, don't have the time or energy to put into to optimize this to the extent that you and I have to play with this. Um, and at that point, the sensible default is an important and good thing. Yeah. Um, but it is one of the things that you that, that what you do quite well make people think about. I think is um, think about their brand SERPs as something that is very, very important and that can actually help a lot of your customers. If you if you look at your Google Search Console and you look at where the traffic is coming from, for us as well, it's a lot of it is brand because the brand is so strong. Um, so it actually does make sense to think about hey what. What would people be searching for? What would people want to get to? Yeah. And, and, and when, when you think about it, I mean, I, I just got a new client on board and they were saying, oh, well, SEO has gone out the window. Oh, dearie me, we just changed our site. And I looked at their site and they're saying, well, in fact, you, you've just lost uh, 5% of your traffic. And that entire 5% of your traffic is non-branded. 95% is branded. And they hadn't realized. And I think that's a really useful thing is go and have a look because it might be an awful lot and it might be very little. But whether it's a little or a lot, it's still important because the people who are searching your brand name are the A-list people for your business. They're the prospects of the clients, their investors, their partners, their journalists, their potential hires. They're all people who are going to do business with you or might do business with you or already doing business with you. Um, and the other thing I love to say is you should be able to but it's your business card. I mean, that's that's the thing is, you know, I talk to you, you you hear my name, Jason Barnard, you go, I wonder who he is. You search my name on Google. What it's showing you is basically my business card, the, the virtual business card, because I can't actually give you the business card now because we're online. Um, and if you look at my name, I've been working on it. So it's... Uh, 
it, it's, how can I say, I've, I've molded it to what I want through an awful lot of work, and it doesn't look like it, but it was an awful lot of work over a long period of time. And it, it, it shows you who I am and what I do. It starts with my homepage, then you've got the Twitter boxes, so I'm, I'm keen Twitter, Twitter person. Uh, then, then you've got a search engine journal author page, so I write for search engine journal. Then you've got three videos, I make loads of videos. One of them is from Yoast sometimes, not always. Um, uh, which, which basically says he's in the digital marketing industry and he makes videos. Then you've got SEMrush, um, WordLift comes up quite a lot. And um, CaliQ Cali Pro. And yeah. CaliQ Pro, my company. And but you can see my story. You can see who I am and what I do. And then you look on the right-hand side, and that's Google. I like to say the right-hand side is fact. It's what Google considers to be fact about me. And it tells my story. It says, this is Jason Barnard. Here's the description. Here's his website. Um, here are some facts about him, who his daughter is, who his mother is. Uh, here's a company he founded. Here's an album he made. Um, here's his social accounts. So I'm trying to remember what it looks like now. Um, and then at the bottom, um, the people. The funny thing is that now what, what you're describing is what it looks like in English, and to, and oh. in Dutch it in Dutch it actually looks different. I just noticed, which, oh. is, which is also funny. So many of these things are, um, are are way more local than you'd think. But my if I if I get the Dutch one, I actually see uh, you as a musician. Oh right, yes, it, it it does say that. That that's a big problem for me. Well. And, and and the funny thing is that in English it says that you're a British French musician, which is which is an, a, a, a distinction that I really like. The, why would they make that distinction there? Um, but yeah, it's slightly different. It's it's really funny to see that to see the differences on even when I just do simple geolocation queries. So uh, I just say uh, search from uh, in the US or versus searching from. Uh, the Netherlands. The oh, difference is huge. What? Besik op. Oh, find him on. That's YouTube and Deezer. Brother. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I haven't ever looked at it in Dutch. Uh, I mean, for people listening, Joost and I are actually desperately looking each other up online at the same time in different languages. <laughs> um, but yeah, the language, the language differences are interesting. And sometimes you will see translations of notably Wikipedia pages for some people. Um, and sometimes you don't. Um, my description doesn't always appear in English, so it doesn't appear in other languages. In French, I, ha I still have a Wikipedia page. So the Wikipedia page appears in French. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think you're right. Uh, with CaliCube, I actually track the seventy thousand brands across eleven countries, including Holland. I mean, I've got a database of two thousand Dutch companies that I'm tracking. So I do have some data for Holland, um, and and the differences are quite phenomenal, especially in the knowledge panels. For example, knowledge panels in. Uh, for German companies in Germany, Dutch companies in Holland, French companies in France, Spanish companies in Spain, and Italian companies in Italy are much, much rarer than the English versions. Um, and that's something I really want to dig into more. I mean, we're looking at 10 to 15% instead of 45%. 45% of brands have got a knowledge panel on their brand SERP in, the, in my data set, uh, which, is, which is pretty good going. But then I'm, I'm absolutely sure there are a further 30% who have sprouts that just haven't yet appeared. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's, it, 
almost time for us oh, to, right, yeah. to to end this recording because otherwise well, people will be listening to this endlessly and as much fun as it is i i think they also want other things to do um now um is there anything that you that you would say hey if you haven't done anything to all of this where what would be the first thing you'd say go do this now uh, yeah, I mean, that's actually pretty easy. It's go and look at your homepage, meta title, meta description and content to make sure that it looks good at the top of your brand SERP. Uh, if you're using it for keyword ranking as well, um, you've got to, that's a fine balance. And that's kind of, it's playing a double role there and that's not going to be easy to manage. Uh, so you've, you've, you've rather created yourself a problem, although it probably driving traffic, which is, that's a whole different debate. But then also look at all the inner pages, your blog, homepage, your about us page, the CEO page, your login page for, for the example, um, the contact us page, start optimizing those for your brand SERP. And then start thinking about your entity. Where is the, who you are, what you do and who your audience is. And then you can start to mold your brand SERP to represent your business and be positive, accurate and convincing and get that knowledge panel because that's very convincing to your audience. Cool. So, um, you're Jason Barnard, yep. B-A-R-N-A-R-D, um, jasonbarnard.com, calicube.pro, yep. calicube is K-A-L-I-C-U-B-E, right? Yep, you're very good yeah. at spelling, aren't you? I, I try hard. Um, um, yeah, so um, follow him on Twitter. He's incredibly funny at times as well. Uh, it, how it, it's it's been great to have you jason thanks for being on the show thanks a lot man that was an absolutely lovely discussion love talking to you